0: Hello, everybody. I'm Tim Yuma. Welcome to LocalJobNetwork.com Radio. This is Management Decisions, where we focus on topics that affect employers and management. Now, one topic that is often discussed relates to the differences in gender in the workplace and how people may be treated. Now, many people do research some angles on this, and we have another perspective to talk about on today's show, how gender may be playing a role in the type of feedback one is given during their performance review. To dive further into this subject, we have Kieran Snyder joining us. Kieran has actually worked in executive roles for both Amazon and Microsoft, but now she's the co-founder and CEO of KidGrid. Kieran, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and we brought you on because of uh, a little bit of what a study you completed, some research you did on your own. I uh, want you tell the listeners a little bit about that and really why you decided to take that on to begin with.
1: Sure. So not long ago, I was having lunch with a friend of mine who's an engineering manager, and he was talking me through some upcoming promotions on his team, and he had a man and a woman on his team, both engineers that he was looking to promote, and he was worried that his peers were only going to support the promotion of the guy on his team, not the woman. And as he described his reasons why, a lot of the concerns he had were personality feedback for the woman in question. So when he described the guy on his team, he said, you know, he's really great. He's very talented. He needs to learn to be a little bit more patient, but who doesn't? And as (laughs) he described the woman on his team, um, it was, you know, she's also very talented, but she's kind of abrasive. Like she needs to watch her tone. And it's not the first time that I've observed you know, feedback that breaks down that way along gender lines. So I decided to uh, talk to a whole bunch of people, get a bunch of performance reviews, and and take a look at whether the data sort of bore this out.
0: Well, and that's what I found interesting is that you you sort of heard this and you say, you know, I I've heard this before, and that you actually dove in to do some research on your own. And one of the pieces that was brought up was the idea of critical feedback. And I think before we get into some of the details of, of explaining maybe some of the differences that popped up um, in these reviews, can you describe what you mean by critical feedback and how that relates to the subject?
1: Sure. You know, when people get performance reviews, sort of the, the canonical kind of reviews you're supposed to get is because everybody has strengths and weaknesses. You're supposed to hear, here are some things you did really well and here are some areas that you need to improve. Mm-hmm. When I asked, people to give me their reviews, I sort of took a bet that most of the reviews, since this is voluntary, it wasn't like HR departments gave me reviews, these were individuals right. giving me reviews. Mostly, I was going to be getting positive reviews, and so that was true, but what I was very interested in is what the areas for improvement or you know, the more critical aspects of the review looked like for men and women. I knew they were all going to have positives because these reviews were strong reviews. Many ended up in promotions. But I wanted to see what the constructive commentary looked like.
0: Well, let's jump right into it a little bit. And obviously, we'll, we'll be able to um, talk in more detail about what this means and, and what it might mean for people moving forward and some options they could have. I guess, what are some of the numbers that jumped out at you as far as that critical feedback piece toward men versus toward women and, and how that broke down?
1: Well, the thing that was most striking, you know, just from right out of the gate, is that these were mostly strong reviews, but in fact, the women's reviews were far more likely to contain critical feedback at all. So even, you know, these strong women, high achieving women, I think 71 of the women had negative feedback in their reviews or critical feedback and only 23 of the men. And that's really striking because there were 105 men and 75 women in the study in the first place. So the first thing out of the gate was that the yeah, the women were just more likely to have critical areas even in the text at all. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that was really striking. And then when, when we kind of dove into the types of critical feedback that were received by the the men and the women who did receive it, there was some further differentiation just in terms of the type of critical feedback, how negative, how personality oriented it was. So there were, you know, there were definitely differences over hundreds of reviews that I looked at.
0: When it comes to those differences, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot, of, uh, a lot of that was seemingly towards the men. It was the idea of skills that they could develop or improve upon versus on the women's side, it might have been something personality-wise, like you mentioned, maybe a term like abrasive or, or a mm-hmm. tone or something to that effect. Is that what you noticed? And, and if that is the case, what can you attribute that to?
1: Men did uh, receive feedback that was more along the lines of, hey, here's your next Step for development. It would be great if you could, you know, improve your technical skill here or, you know, learn to listen a little bit more effectively. Women also received that kind of feedback. So that was in in both genders. Okay. Women had another layer though, where they did get this personality feedback where they, you know, labels like abrasive or emotional or irrational, aggressive were used Pretty negatively in the women's text, almost zero in the men's text. The only one of these sort of buzzwords that showed up in the men's text at all was the word aggressive. Uh, it only showed up three times, and twice it was with a push from the manager to be more of it. <laughs> and so it was very different in in tone compared to the women's women's reviews. You know, one thing I thought might be a factor that turned out not to be a factor, and I think it's it's one of the most important parts of the study, the gender of the manager didn't make a difference here. So male and female managers showed the same pattern as one another when writing about men or women on their team. Uh, And I was surprised by that. As a female manager, I was disappointed by that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as someone who's heard these terms throughout my career, I expected some differentiation there and there and there wasn't. So both men and women as managers use prevailingly negative personality feedback to describe the strong women on their team and none of that to describe the strong men on their team. So I think, you know, the, the anecdote showed up in the data.
0: I appreciate you bringing up the fact, too, that as you mentioned that the gender of the manager didn't seem to matter, which uh, is very interesting to me, even even as a guy. But I wanted to ask you, and I know it's tough in this case because while well, you do have a lot of experience and I'm sure you've spoken with a lot of people on this, can you figure out any way, do you have any theories as to why this differentiation is occurring? As you said, it doesn't have anything to do with the manager per se, but that there's this prevailing sort of standard that that comes about when you're giving the feedback. Do you have any theories as to why that's occurring, or? or why it hasn't changed maybe in the last decade or so?
1: You know, it's interesting. I mean, I have a lot of, you know, probably the same theories that everybody else does, which is that, you know, culturally, we we just don't acculturate women to be as assertive. Mm -hmm. And so when women show up assertively, it stands out as a, a, you know, di-divergence from what people expect. I did another study not too long ago where I looked at interruptions and how often men and women in corporate settings interrupted one another in conversation and in meetings. And the the numbers there were very skewed as well. Women uh, were interrupted constantly by men and women, and men did much more of the interrupting, except Mm. for the most senior women who were the biggest interrupters of all. (laughs) And so I think it's really interesting because these senior women are women who presumably have gotten pretty strong reviews through their careers. You know, the kind of women who have probably received feedback about being abrasive or aggressive. And so I think, I don't want to say that it's required to advance because it's probably not required to advance. We probably don't want a culture where people have to step on top of each other to sure. advance. But I do think when when women assert themselves, it's noted more because it is culturally less expected.
0: I like that you bring up that thought process that uh, there's almost a the feeling of it being required. I talked about this a lot with people in the sporting world, how it seems like athletes have this certain personality that for the most part, we wouldn't like, but that's part of the reason they got there. And, and I feel like that's sort of a, a similar way here with when you're talking about executives and that those high achievers that for whatever reason, there is that personality trait that exists. My question would be if women in general know this, and obviously that's part of the reason we have these conversations, you write articles that, that have to do with that, especially as the, a manager, is there a way to change the thinking? I mean, do you, do you speak with other women who are in those positions to try to help instill that change from the top down? Because as you mentioned, the manager, they're still thinking the same way, whether they're male or female. Is there a mm-hmm. way to, to try to change that in some capacity?
1: So there's a couple of things. One thing that I did when I, after I did the study is I went, I went back and I read reviews that I had written, which I did not contribute to the study. Okay. Um, but I went back and read reviews that I had written and I follow pattern as well. Hmm. yeah, I was really disappointed <laughs> uh, i didn't use I didn't use you know the, the negative language, but you know the women on my team did receive more critical feedback in okay. their reviews than the men on my team had. I wrote this article shortly before I finished up at Amazon, and I was really happy that it was getting real discussion there when I left, and in fact, a couple of senior managers told me that in their people review meetings. The article was specifically used by senior management hmm. to try to be vigilant. One thing that I'm going to do, you know, if I if I work in a corporate setting in the future, uh, in a startup, it's a little bit different, much smaller, but is to try to get peer review of my review text,
0: sure. to
1: try to actually just get another perspective on that. I think documenting the guidelines strongly is important. Not that every manager will consult with them when they write reviews, but it gives employees a framework for a safe conversation if they feel like their reviews do contain some of this negative personality feedback. And then the other thing I would add is that I'm not sure that reviews ought to include personality feedback at all. Hmm. Like, you know, reviews are inherently very subjective. Sure. That's just a given. But, you know, whether you're calling somebody abrasive or brilliant or collaborative or, you know, whatever the positive or negative adjective is, that's just going to have a certain level of subjectivity that when, you know, instead, if you're focusing on, you know, Jessica delivered this, you know, John delivered that by the state, it's, it's inherently a little bit more objective. And it takes out some of the, the judgments that I think could be positive or negative in a way that's a bit unfair. So that would be another thing I, I would encourage people to think about.
0: What's interesting is you bring up the idea, of course, that awareness being such a big part of this, um, just in general. I mean, again, the, the importance of just talking about it and understanding what's possibly going on. In preparing for this, I, I spoke with a, a number of different women in the professional ranks, different levels of experience, and I asked them if they thought about if they worry that they're being treated differently or that they think about you know, that being a, a factor in any way. And, and for the most part, they say, yeah, there have been an instance here or there, but they don't really think about it in the, in the general big picture. If you're speaking to a group of, of women who are looking to move up professionally, should they think in those terms in your mind and, and keep that in the back of their mind, or should they just go about their their normal business as if they, you know, as if gender doesn't matter and that shouldn't matter? What would be your take on that?
1: You know, I think that it's hard enough to break with cultural norms, especially you know, you're women in a corporate setting, particularly in technology, not only in technology, but particularly in technology sure. where women are often outnumbered. You know, I. Generally, I encourage everyone, men and women, to have some self-reflection, but anything that makes you less confident in your leadership is probably going to be a liability rather than an (laughs) asset. The thing that I think, you know, the actual call to action is to look out for your judgment of the colleagues around you, Hmm. because I think if everybody took an action to do that, the system would improve, rather than being... You know, super paranoid. Am I going to come across as really abrasive? Or am I going to come across? How am I going to come across here? I just don't think women need reminders to worry about how they come across. It's often a challenge that women worry too much about how they come across. More be concerned about what judgments you may be making about your colleagues. I think that's, I think that's where, the, where it starts.
0: I mean, that's a, an excellent answer. I know I kind of put you on the spot there, but I think uh, I think that makes perfect sense. And hopefully our listeners uh, can appreciate you giving us that honest answer there. Uh, another question I wanted to ask with this, and it, and it relates to your own personal experience, but the idea that with maybe some of this happenings going on in the corporate world or or women looking for different options potentially, do you see it as a trend, as a, as a future trend or as a current trend that women are going to be looking to start their own companies and looking to have sort of that control of their career? Do you see that being a, a factor related to all this, separate to all this? So what's your overall thought?
1: That's a great question. I definitely fit that pattern. So I'm doing another study right now, again, sort of passion projects for me, but about why women have chosen to leave technology for women who have chosen to leave tech. And I was surprised, you know, a number of them have reasons you might anticipate. A lot of them talked about motherhood. A lot of them talked about maternity leave, including discrimination. A lot of them talked about being outnumbered. Many, many of them, a higher proportion than I would have expected of the over 700 women I spoke with, chose to start their own companies. Hmm. Uh, And as a woman who has just left, I hadn't left technology, but I have left sort of the corporate setting to start my own company. I was really interested in their stories. And many of them talk about, you know, listen, like I was tired of being outnumbered. I wanted to be in a place where I make the rules and I hire nice colleagues. You know, I wanted to be in a place working on something that was really important to me where I didn't feel outnumbered every single day. Uh, Outnumbering came up quite a bit. So I do think some women choose to respond by, you know, staying with it. Some women choose to leave entirely, but I do think an increasingly high number of women is choosing to start their own thing. And there are a lot of, a lot more venture capital efforts now focused on women founding companies over the last year in particular, which is great. That will help.
0: Well, we are getting a little low on time here, but I wanted to give you the opportunity at the end, uh, you know, you've given us some great insights, some great information, and I encourage uh, the listeners out there to go ahead and and find some of your, your work out there. But I wanted to give you the floor at the end to give the listeners a a nice takeaway from this conversation, something you think is important to emphasize or or to mention. Maybe we haven't talked about it. In regards to the idea, again, of of gender differences, when it comes to either the the feedback side or anything else in the workplace, um, just something to wrap up our conversation today.
1: You know, tolerance, gender is one axis of diversity. Uh, It's not the only axis of diversity. Your workplace is better for having more points of view within it, whether that's you're talking about things like gender and race or you're talking about things like different kinds of work experience or educational background or life experience. You know, I think climates that have more points of view make better products or services for real people. And so that would sort of be the the big takeaway there. Uh, Watch out for judgment because in general, you want more points of view, not fewer.
0: All right. With that, we will close out this edition of Management Decisions, again, talking about some gender differences and looking at it from a couple different angles today. And to do that, we've been speaking with Kieran Snyder. She is the co-founder and CEO of KidGrid. Kieran, thanks a lot for coming on again. Some great information and uh, possibly some information that listeners can take with them back to the workplace, either as a manager or as an employee. So thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks so much.
0: And of course, if you want to reach out to us with any topics you might be interested in, go ahead and shoot an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also reach out to us at Twitter. Find us at the LJN. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.